This is the BioBusters Professors Hanging Out Talking Science, episode number 41, recorded on July 19th, 2021. Hello, folks. You are listening to the podcast that takes you beyond the classroom and into the trenches of science. I am Dr. Abi Abdallah. I am here with Dr. Fawner and Dr. Keller. How are you guys doing today? You see that Keller? He already was yeah, about I to forget that. our names. I saw that. That's there's promising. A, there was a pause. There was a very that, lengthy pause. It has been so long since we've done a podcast that Delbert couldn't remember how to begin the podcast. I so this is, about the, this is about the fifth take, folks. Yeah. About the there should have been out there. there should, we should... We should clip together an outtakes clip. I bet that would get uh, it's some be long. primo views on YouTube. All, all this well, heat in Florida is screwing up my brain. That must be what it is. Well, I turned what the it, fan off here, so it's pretty hot. What has the temperature been in Florida recently? Uh, lows are maybe like 70s, high 70s. Okay. And it's actually been rain. Oh, yeah, rain it, after rain. It's been raining here a lot as well. Yeah, ever since Serious that. Serious uh, flooding. Uh, Titusville, downtown Titusville, completely flooded. Wow. Mm. Or at least parts of it. Just That's unfortunate. Flooded, yeah. And uh, lots out of water. west, they have a drought. Well, they can have this water. Yeah, please <laughs> take right. it. Doesn't right. always work that way. Fires so in California, floods over here. That's right. How's the lead up to uh, semester down with you guys? So we, we both start uh, semester soon. How, how's it going for you guys? Busy. That's good. It's gearing up. Yeah. I, I really don't know yet. <laughs> That's the honest answer. Yeah. I just, I keep finding that I have more and more responsibilities. So hey, Keller's, uh, Keller's head just stopped spinning when we started the podcast. Uh, and then, well, then Chris is like, oh, who's doing tutoring? You doing tutoring? I'm like, I don't know. Hey. Nobody <laughs> talked to me about that. That's what I'm here for, to do the checklist and say, hey, we're, we're counting on what this, right? What else do you do? No. We're, we're slowly chipping away at it. It'll be a good year. Well, that's yeah, good. good year. That's good. I'm Close excited COVID. for students to be back on campus and not remote learning, et cetera. Okay. No, this should be fun. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Very big much. difference. All right. So uh, let's see. What do we got today? Born on July 19th, 1921 and died on May 30th of 2011 at the age of 89. We have Rosalind Sussman Yallo. An American biophysicist mm-hmm. who, in 1977, became the first American-born woman to win a Nobel Prize in medicine and the second woman overall to win the Nobel Prize in medicine. And she won the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine for the Development of Radio Immunoassays of Peptide Hormone. Which pretty much revolutionized important when it came medical, first, so. yeah, 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 revolutionized medical testing, very uh, biological yeah. testing and research. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, one thing I read that I thought was interesting: she refused to patent it. She said that it's too important wow. to patent, and uh, she wanted uh, just science to have it for free. Uh, she has. Wow, that's uh, very noble. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Huh. And uh, yeah, I, oh, see I see, I see there, what you did there. Chris, I, see I see what you did there. Uh, see that? That was, that was very, yeah. Oh, I was wondering if anybody would pick up on that. You bit. get the prize. That's oh, right. I see. Uh, so, so she applied. You know, I uh, mean, how, how did this change? Yeah, how much did this change science at the time? And then to think about it, we don't use it anymore. 
Yeah. Right. I, I mean, know, think about uh, that. Yeah, like it yeah. revolutionized at the time. And then who's, who's to say we'd be where we are now without it. Oh, I mean, we'd be decades behind. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so here's something that just completely changed the face of research and medical testing. And then we don't do it anymore. We're yeah. past it, yeah. but you needed that step to get to mm-hmm. where we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with her coworkers at the time, she applied radioimmunoassays pretty much to study the peptide hormone, insulin, mm-hmm. growth hormones, and uh, to look at the pathogenesis of certain diseases that uh, come because of abnormal secretions of these particular hormones, right? And uh, sometimes she's referred to as the Madame Curie of the Bronx. Uh, I've seen an article that called her the mother of endocrinology. So uh, she was was big. But, uh, you know, I was reading a bit more about her and uh, she was discouraged from uh, pretty much back in the 40s is when she was of age to go to college. She was discouraged from going to college, studying, getting her degree. And uh, pretty much uh, for any woman interested in science at the time, the best you should aspire to was a high school science teacher, right? Or something like that. And she says, uh, she's quoted in an article saying that, World War II helped with her career because there were so many men fighting abroad because of the yep. draft that they needed anybody to teach, you know, BTA in college or whatever. And then she, she, she got taken to be a TA in physics at in Illinois, uh, 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 Chicago University, right? And then from there, she did well and, you know, got her PhD, et cetera, so on and so forth. So it's interesting to, to see how that, you know, worked out for her. Okay. Yeah, one, un, uh, one unexpected and unfortunate benefit, but I mean, still right. benefit based yeah, on the World absolutely. War II, you know. I mean, scenario. we focused on her Nobel Prize, but she went on to win a lot of other prizes, uh, you know, Presidential Medal of Freedom, this, this and that. I mean, she, she was huge. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Keller, you've got a few ticks behind you. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, I brought some friends today. So, uh, well, see over here, we've got a larval tick. So you can see how tiny that thing is compared to way over here, which is an adult female dog tick. So we find, actually find both of these at the same time. Uh, our current master student, uh, Jacob. Uh, which has, we have a video uh, of his work on ticks. We have a video of his work yeah, up do. on our Instagram. That's right. So check that out. He, yeah, he's col- yeah, collected almost a thousand ticks just this wow. past summer. So he he's was very active. busy. Yeah, proud of his efforts. Oh, very. And, you know, some interesting things we found besides the larval ticks here, or you can see a number of, of ticks right here. But this one right there, that's a female deer tick or really a black legged tick. You can tell by that big red butt right there. And they come in different sizes, but that's uh, that's our major tick here. Uh, it uh, carries, you know, Borrelia, carries Babesia, carries a, a plethora of pathogens that we're looking at right now. Right here are Lone Star ticks. Now, what, what Jacob found and what, uh, what's been reported recently is a, a huge increase in these guys here. Now, it's given the name Lone Star tick because... Well, they were, I mean, they were from Texas and then Oklahoma and, and, and mainly the southern states there, southern central states. But 
it, it, it has moved. It's up here now. And the concerning fact about that is it carries different diseases that we have not seen in this area, like Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So we need to be aware of that. And then the last one, the largest one is, is a dog tick, uh, which can also carry different pathogens as well. So uh, a variety of ticks that we can collect. Uh, there's more out there. I mean, we've got the uh, groundhog tick we're looking for. So if anybody has some groundhogs and wants to pull some uh, groundhog ticks off, then we will definitely take those suckers. They carry different uh, pathogens, if you can believe it. So there are right. ticks. You can see the relative size of them. They're relatively small. I like the ruler, too. That's a nice touch. <laughs> it is. Didn't you take this picture? I, I may. I may not. I may have. I don't know. You may have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but I, I I figured you know it's tick season. It is tick season, absolutely. And we we've had a few posts on our Instagram on ticks. Make sure to check those out. So, quick coronavirus update as of today: almost 191 million cases globally, with about four plus million deaths. In the U.S., uh, numbers are around 35 million or so, with 625 thousand deaths. Uh, vaccination, at least one dose in the U.S., around 55.6% and fully vaccinated around 48.2%. However, globally, uh, vaccine effort is around 3.6. Biggest thing right now, Delta variant. The CDC is calling it a SARS-CoV-2 variant of concern, first identified in India is currently responsible for most new infections in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, the concern with it is that it has a, an increased transmissibility. We're talking about something that is really, really transmissible. And a potential reduction in the neutralization effect of uh, antibody treatments and post-vaccination sera. So even though they're still uh, uh, effective against it, uh, not as effective as the against the previous variants or the original variant of the coronavirus. And it is the recommendation of the CDC, the WHO, and the BioBusters podcast that your best protection remains vaccination. So uh, go out there, get your vaccine. Well, other important updates, uh, didn't, didn't Canada uh, open up travel today? Was vaccinated Americans? Individuals? Is it just vaccinated? I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. It was coming, so. but yeah, I didn't hear if it actually happened. Yet. Yeah, I didn't see it today. Uh, hmm. What I did see about Canada today regarding fishing the trip. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, the fishing trip we have put it up. It was canceled because of COVID. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Two years ago. Man. But hey, now that I'm in Florida, so you I, guys should come before, down here to fish. Oh, we will. We will. But I think we can do both. So that's right. Questions. So you know, I. I am a scientist. I want scientific data, you know, and, and I also agree and I'm a bio buster. So yes, vaccinations are your number one prevention. However, you know, we, we have a number of students coming back that refuse to get vaccinated for various reasons. Uh, the one that I, uh, that was cited the most, whether it's true, I don't know, but uh, concerns of, you know, they, they saw a family member have a very serious reaction to the vaccine. Which and, some, some people have a reaction uh, to a it. lot. Yes. Yeah. But a lot of those people had already had the disease. Right. And so, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, if, if, 
if you have, you know, uh, a shark smelling blood in the water mm-hmm. and you put more like, like you've had coronavirus, your antibodies are the sharks mm-hmm. and you add more blood in the water. The sharks go even the nuts, frenzy. Right? Yeah, yeah. The frenzy gets more. So the frenzy is your cytokines. We've talked about a little bit. It's a good cytokine response. Storm, but, yeah. Well, it's an over response. You have too much of it at that point. And that's why people are getting and, these. And you feel reactions. sick for about a, a, a half a day to a day or so. Yeah. But then it, it goes away. It goes away. So, so even though there has been evidence of increased transmissibility, et cetera, so on and so forth, I don't know if I've seen uh, any strong evidence to suggest it's more lethal as a variant, right? So, I think no, the I transmissibility is higher. Those who are susceptible are sure more susceptible to it. Now they're saying it could be one of the, you know, uh, worst viruses you may ever get, whatever, like as a respiratory virus. What, just the variant? I, I disagree with that statement, but uh, but I, I personally haven't seen credible Why do you reports. disagree with that statement? That it's, it could be worse than ev- any other respiratory virus you may get? Yeah, why do you say I, I, I think so. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, they say it could be. I know they don't have enough data to fully support that claim, but I think they're just being cautious. And yeah, yeah, no, for sure being they're being cautious. But right? I mean, there's respiratory viruses out there that can, you know, kill you really quick. Cause much more, much more yeah, harm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, we're not downplaying the severity of it. We're, we're advocating get vaccinated, mask, uh, wash your hands, try to social distance if you can. But but uh, and and sure, we're seeing uh, less uh, 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 potential benefits of some of these treatments because the variant has mutated, so on and so forth. But again, go get your vaccine. It's right now still the best protection out there, unless you live in a bubble, which none of us do. Okay. Sticking with the theme of outbreaks, so in lieu of this episode's scientific study, we have a few outbreaks that um, if you live in certain parts of the country, you should pay attention to. So, uh, and again, these are nothing major. You should not, uh, you know, freak out. But again, recalls happen on a lot of things. So be aware. Often. Absolutely. Very often. (laughs) Yeah, more so than you think. So there's a salmonella outbreak in Bright Farms packaged salad greens. Those are packaged and these are everywhere. Plastic containers. Yeah, because, well, you know, they're convenient, right? You buy them, it Mm -hmm. says triple washed, double washed, ready to use, right? So you pick them up. They should have done it four times then. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. So um, the ones from Bright Farms, they are labeled fresh from Rochelle, Illinois, with a best buy date through 7-29-2021. They have been distributed in at least four states, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and Wisconsin. If you live in those states, we have the link in the show notes. Please play, pay attention and you brought and you bought Bright Farms packaged salad greens. Please pay attention to that salmonella outbreak. The other one that uh, has a wider uh, sort of market effect, etc., is the Listeria outbreak linked to fully cooked chicken. These are uh, frozen, fully cooked chicken products. So chicken strips, diced chicken, etc., cooked chicken, all supplied by Tyson Foods. They have been really shipped nationwide and they have been put on a lot of things. Uh, Jets Pizza, Casey's General Store, Marco's Pizza, Little Caesars, uh, they're uh, pretty much everywhere. 
And uh, for those, look for a mark that says establishment number ESTP7089 on the product bag. Uh, again, you can find all of these on the CDC. And, uh, and you, you don't really need to go to the CDC website no. for where you live, your, your grocery stores or wherever you're buying your, your produce. They are, I believe, mandated, at least in PA, to publish Try to that. reach out to you. Right? But, I mean, well, they'll publish it on their website, at least. Uh, they're not going to give you a phone call to tell you to throw away your lettuce, although that's not a bad idea. Uh, well, sometimes they, they email you. If you have one of those like, yeah, in-store yeah. rewards where like you, your email they is tied that. to your, uh, like when you go shop or whatever, they'll email you. Sure. Loyalty card, you mean? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. That one. So, and, and, and look, I, I'm glad you brought these forward, but this is you know, a drop in the water, a drop in the bucket in terms of our foodborne outbreaks. Uh, you know, a, a lot of it is a lot of these out, outbreaks and recalls are knee jerk reactions to uh, one contaminant was found. But the alternative is you send something out but with with salmonella in the peanut butter, which is what we had in about 2006 that went out to. It went through a, a processing plant and it got into all of the different peanut butters like Jif and, 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 and Peter Pan and, and all these crackers and, and who eats these things? Your kids. And so yeah. peanut butter was banned from, uh, from schools for a while because wow. of that, not because I it's forgot a, about that. aflatoxin. And then right on the heels of that in 2009, there's a big salmonella countrywide outbreak uh, from, we thought it was tomatoes from Mexico. They're like, Oh wait, it's the hot peppers, but maybe it's both. And Nope. Don't eat these. And, and so that, that happened. And then, you know, then eggs and the chickens from Iowa. I think those people are in jail cause they knew they had it. Yeah. Listeria yeah. outbreaks happen all the time. The big one. And the big one that comes to mind was the cantaloupes in Colorado that were, uh, they they were story, storing these cantaloupes in a warehouse in standing water that they knew was contaminated with listeria and sent out these cantaloupes and people died because listeria, right? Well, it's, it's mainly a GI pathogen in, in people with immunocompromised uh, immune systems. It can cause things like meningitis and sepsis and, and it can lead to death. So a couple well, of people died. With both of these cases, uh, there have been deaths in that salmonella outbreak and the listeria. These outbreak. two here, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't read up on them. I just I saw that you put them in there. You know, and it, it, I love going to the CDC website. I'm actually going to be doing this next couple of weeks for our GI lecture oh. because they have the coolest outbreaks. Sometimes like hedgehogs and salmonella. Who would have thought about that? Uh, you know, turtles and reptiles usually. Yeah, those, yeah absolutely. One year it was cucumbers, listeria, and peaches from Wegmans one year, hummus, soft serve ice cream. Right? So these things aren't anything to joke about. Throw it away. Don't, you know, you can get a refund if, if you need one, but yeah, know, don't, don't take unnecessary don't risks. Don't try to eat it. You know, yep. I, it's not worth it. You know, salmonella, it, it's not pleasant to have. No, let's put that way. No. So the other thing that's uh, super cool in the news as well is a monkeypox case. So the uh, yeah. uh, n- nothing to freak about here. This is not a, you know uh, it's one person, right? So far that's, <laughs> that's been affected, right. just one so, person. Uh, and, and isolated case. So they confirmed it on July fifteenth. Uh, both the CDC and the Texas Department of State. A traveler from uh, Lagos, Nigeria, flew to Atlanta from Atlanta to Dallas. 
And uh, again, uh, monkeypox is extremely rare, uh, but can potentially be a serious viral illness. Uh, like other uh, 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 viruses, uh, pretty much starts like flu-like uh, symptom, etc., so on and so forth. Absolutely zero threat to the public. Let's not uh, freak out here at all. But we thought it'll be cool to mention because, hey, monkeypox, how many t- times do you hear about monkeypox in the U.S., right? Uh, so, yeah. What is monkeypox? So, oh, it's a virus. Uh, similar... Uh, similar to uh, smallpox in presentation, right? But causes a much, much milder infection. Uh, first identified in monkeys, I think, uh, which is why they call it monkeypox. Common in West Africa. Yeah, right. And uh, it has it, about a 1% it looks, yeah. fatal rate, right? So one in 100 uh, people yeah, so, get it. And uh, it does. It, it looks right. just like smallpox. Yeah, which, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, we haven't, we haven't had... No, that's why I asked just so, you know, it's out there. Now we've said it to our viewers, but you know, there was another monkeypox outbreak years ago and it was only a handful of people. They got it from prairie dogs. So other animals can clearly carry it. Right. And it does, it looks just like smallpox. We thought, Oh my God, smallpox is back because you you know, the cold war, we think somebody's storing it somewhere and, it's actually a category A bioterrorism agent, even though we haven't seen a case of smallpox in the state since what the late seventies, early eighties. So you're talking like 40 years. We haven't had a case, but yet we're that concerned about it because the, the mortality rates one in five instead yeah. of one in a hundred. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a major concern. But they, yeah. They do look the same. You get pox. It's like chicken pox, but it's, uh, you know, usually more concentrated on the face and the, and the limbs. No, yeah, interesting disease. And uh, you can get vaccinated, I think, against it. That vaccinia vaccine will protect against, uh, again, really? mon- monkeypox. I, I think they, they have some cross-reactivity. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, do not go out Too there uh, get trying to get this vaccine. You are not going to get it in the U.S., but because we know our listeners love this uh, obscure infection stuff. So uh, uh, just uh, brought it to their attention. Well, that's because that's all we talk about. But, uh, but, but yeah, you can't get the vaccine. They stop, we stopped vaccinating. But you know what's funny? The, the government swears they've got enough vaccinia. So the strain of vaccine is a different virus, but it cross-protects, like right. Delbert said. Um, they have enough vaccine for everybody in the country. But there's just no point in giving it. But then when we have a monkeypox case, everybody freaks out because smallpox is back. So, so you know, the reason if we the just reason, vaccinate everybody wouldn't matter. Yeah. The reason we have uh, an, enough doses for everyone is, is 9-11, right? So after 9-11, people uh, in the yeah. government freaked out like, oh, we need to be prepared for every eventual possibility, which I think is, you know, a good thing to prepare for as a country. But uh so they thought, okay, well, you know, we missed 9-11 intelligence-wise, although and as some reports say maybe not so, but we're not going to get into the political discussion. But, 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 but then they thought, okay, what, well, what if we possibly get attacked through a bioterrorism agent, including smallpox, and then which is why they sort of have doses of that vaccine for uh, pretty much everyone. Uh, yep. I think if you are a, 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 a same with anthrax, right? For vaccines, if you are a member of the military, I think you can get that. I don't know. I know anthrax, but I don't know. I don't know about small or about the smallpox. I, yeah. I, I, I think it's shelved, but 
Uh, if you right. if you work in certain uh, BSL three or B, even BSL two facilities that where you have to use that uh, uh, sort of strain of not smallpox but uh, you can get uh, like the vaccine if you use the vaccine yeah, you uh, you can get vaccinated for that. Okay, so enough with outbreak things and things that can kill you. <laughs> Let's move on to something lighter. Now, we'll be back to it in a moment. <laughs> Honor, Fawner's fun physio fact. You're up. I want to add fabulous to it. Fabulous Fawner's fun no, no. physio fact. No, yeah. there's a there's a degree between too much alliteration and just enough. So no. I like no, this there is not of alliteration. If, if you no, it can get no, excessive. It can get it can get obstructive. No. Excessive four, is impressive. Four here. F's. I like that. That's good. So, so we got? with the Olympics coming up, which is which is always pretty exciting. Uh, what is it on Friday, July 23rd yeah, is when the this. Olympics officially begin. Is that opening ceremony? Um, I thought, well, a really cool study and some new data that recently came out is about the effects of overtraining and something that elite athletes, you know, cross country runners, really anybody who does intense training bouts of exercise should be on the lookout for are overtraining risks. And any, you know, nutritionist, exercise physiologist will tell you some of the common risks and symptoms of overtraining, mental fatigue, muscle breakdown, you know, muscle cramps, just feeling sluggish and just mentally not being there for exercising and training. But this recent study indicated that even elite athletes who researchers and scientists always previously thought might be more, I guess, resistant to the effects of overtraining. These, the, uh, these recent data indicated that even elite athletes could actually exhibit mitochondrial impairment after they work out too intensely over a period of time. So, so they're of course, uh, human after all? So they are human after all. Now, this study and these data did show that even though they might have suffered a degree of mitochondrial impairment, so the ability of the mitochondria to make ATP and to provide energy for the tissues and cells, they, their exercise performance per se during those workouts was not significantly affected. So it didn't affect them in the kind of, I guess, there and now. Ooh, but with the degree of mitochondrial impairment, I was thinking more long-term. So after what, weeks, months, years of these incredibly intense workouts, I think you could get maybe something like metabolic buildup or constant metabolic deficits will eventually lead long-term to, I don't know, a greater inability to recover from intense workouts, a greater uh, time period for recovery, maybe more muscle wasting, muscle tears, soft tissue injuries, things like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, facetiously, I, I believe that from someone who does not do intense uh, workouts, I never have any problems with uh, muscle recovery and, you know, <laughs> muscle impairment and tears and whatever that I just don't get that kind of stuff. And I guess, I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about this because again, you would think these elite athletes like what the Simone Biles is, the Michael Phelps, uh, I don't even know a lot of the beasts. I I mean, Michael Phelps, like some of his training and what he would do in the pool is it's incredible and it's insane, but you always have to think about the cost and they're always trying to push themselves, right? They're not just training 
for what even a few months before the Olympics. No, this no. is years. I'm talking years. Michael Michael Phelps first time at the Olympics. What was he? 15, 16 was yeah. his first Olympics. Yep. And so dec- years crazy. and decade of just constantly intensely training for these Olympic trials and the Olympic yeah. events. I think athletes need to definitely be mindful of overtraining, the symptoms, you know, heavy muscles, fatigue, just the mental kind of almost anguish. Uh, it can even lead to depression in some athletes, right? Um, the one Olympian who I always liked growing up, uh, the wrestler, Kurt Angle, uh, it's been well documented, you know, he trained so hard for the 96 Olympics. He said he was training at one point, like what, 16 hours a day, something like that for the span of sleeping for the other eight to get into shape. And I mean, he would just go to bed, wake up and he was getting paid to train. So that's what he would do. Six out of the seven days, probably even seven out of seven days. He's just training and it's mostly intense and it's been well doc, but it's been well documented that eventually, and I'm not saying that was a cause of it, but. Eventually the injuries started piling up. He had a lot of neck issues. He powered through those neck issues, probably not so wisely. And he has had a lot of issues with, you know, painkillers and pain regimens and trying to get that pain management under control. So I guess another kind of corollary to this is overtraining, being aware of it, watching that you don't overtrain and hurt yourself and then possibly getting at risk for, Hey, now I'm in chronic pain. I need, you know, whatever painkiller or whatever chronic pain management that is available that is hopefully not addictive. So a lot of risks associated with it. Basically, listen to your body, be mindful of it, and don't overtrain. Okay. So a uh, quick question here. Mitochondrial impairment. So what? So is it like, uh, did they test like oxidative damage, oxidative stress on these mitochondria or rate of turnover? I believe oxidative stress. I didn't read through the study specifically and really dig into the materials and methods, but I would have guessed oxidative stress. Um, Something that I can clarify at the beginning of our next episode for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you for that. And we have come to... The most exciting part of the episode. I just want to add something. This is a really good reason not to undergo intense workouts. I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? That's what I meant. I, I yeah. never get any injuries. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, uh, no how, about, muscles uh, here. how about our game segment? Let's get to that. You ready? Oh, we're ready. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. So uh, it's been so long. I had to go look this up again, but here's a recap of last episode's question. Right? So in, in 2016, otherwise healthy young female in her mid twenties was washing out her left eye due to some irritation when she noticed that something alive was flushed out of her eye. She was currently working as a deckhand on a commercial fishing boat in Oregon and saw several local doctors who removed worms from her eye. She was concerned that these worms might migrate to her brain or or cause vision loss. A team of scientists at the CDC eventually determined that she was infected with a species of worm that had never been seen in humans before but it is known to infect cattle. So last episode's question was what parasite is this and how did she become infected? 
And I was really amazed as to who responded with the correct answer. Where are you? <laughs> Rick Lorenzo writes in, hey, guys, good to hear from you again. Hope everything's going good. Quick Google search uh, produced Thalasia gulosa, which is a worm that's normally found in cattle and transmitted via flies. That is correct, Rick. Good job, uh, Rick. Yeah, it is transmitted as the larvae travels from the host to the fly. And transforms into an adult worm. Anyway, so fantastic. Uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Rick. Rick's correct. The cause of worm is the lazy aglosa. It's a nematode that infects the eyes of cattle. The first human case of theolysiasis, that's a fun one, occurred in 2016 in a 26 year old female. Uh, she, she was working on that. Boats. This I actually got the, from the uh, from a, a news article, but she had just come from her family farm or uh, an area where um, she was around cattle. So the infection is usually just cattle, and the flies will take it and put it in the eyes of the cows, and then and then pick it up there. Um, she uh, she had been walking through cattle fields in southern Oregon, and, and there are flies and things around. So that that's how they think she became infected. Uh, at the end of it, uh, 14 worms were extracted from her eye. Wow. 14 little worms. That's a lot. Yeah. So Delbert writes, Rick, if you want another gift, let us know. LOL. <laughs> we will send you one if you want another one, buddy. All right. What so, is- uh, Rick, Rick, your job is to get somebody besides you, please, to answer this episode's question. Well, you should answer we'll too, Rick. Money. You should answer too. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, so now, quick, uh, this is a short one. For this episode's riddle, between 1995 and 2008, over 15,000 cases of this mosquito-borne disease were diagnosed in Australia. Symptoms of the disease include fever, lays, rash, arthritis, and severe muscle pains. Most patients recover in several weeks, but some can have symptoms up to a year, followed by complete recovery. I'll also say that this is an alpha virus for all of my virology peeps out there. This episode's questions are, what is this virus and what is the animal reservoir? Okay. Very good. Good. Riddle. Yes. Do you know what it is, Dr. Abi Abdallah? I am thinking I do not have. I will be. I did not know this. I did not have. Well, you know what? It's good to, you know, there's so many infectious diseases out there or things that can cause human infections that we just, there's there's no way. Yeah. yeah, Um, I did not have everything. I I really like to, nor did I expect you to, but. Yeah, I mean those uh, those those symptoms are so general to pretty much every infection. So I'd have I'd have to think a little more about Australia and the caseload, etc. Okay, and the alpha virus and the alpha virus. That's right. That's right. Anything else for today? No, but it's good to be back. I would think that's it. Yeah, we probably need to uh, do it more often. Episodes a little more often now that you're established in Florida. I would take it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I am okay. still to set up the recording studio. We're actually recording this from my mm-hmm. closet. 
<laughs> because oh, I good. am still. Thank you for the background. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad there's background. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, folks, that is our show for today. You can email us at thebiobusters at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes or you can simply just Google the Biobusters. You can also find us on Instagram, the Biobusters podcast. I am Delbert Ebi Abdallah. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Delbert. And you can find Fawner at Fawner916. And as I said, you can find us on Instagram. And Keller remains Twitterless. Yet another episode without a Twitter account. I did an Instagram account just for you. You did. You did an Instagram account. We appreciate the effort. I don't use it, but it's there. <laughs> well, you follow the Biobusters, and that's what matters. I do. I do. That's true. All right, folks. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Bye.